Broadcasting from Youngstown, Ohio, this is the MV Red Podcast, the show where we talk about news and politics impacting the Mahoning Valley, the state of Ohio, and the USA. If you want to subscribe to our podcast, find us on your favorite podcast streaming app or visit our website, www.mvred.com. If you want to share your opinion with us, please email info at mvred.com, as we would love to hear from you. Now, let's get things started. Here are your hosts, Michael Metzinger and Dane Davis. All right, we're live. All right, good evening, everyone. Welcome to episode 26 of the MV Red podcast. It's been... Two months since it's our last years. show. It's, it's been, been it's been. Uh, uh, I've been in the middle of tax season, and it's been kicking my ass more so than it typically has in the past. So it's been a bit difficult for us to to get another show up here lately. So yeah. oh, we got the uh, maybe Ryan Gerdusky might be joining us or, or tuning in. Maybe I saw he just. Oh, like I would our, love for Ryan. I get some hot takes for Ryan. He'll be mad at me. We'll um, have to get Ryan on again. Um, he, yeah. Ever since we actually had him on the show, he's been very. He'll he'll randomly uh, DM me. I know he'll co- be in contact from time to time with you as well. So it's pretty cool to have somebody like Ryan. Ryan Gerdusky. Um, is it you? I still haven't figured out. Is it Gerdusky? He told me Gerdusky. I always wanted it to be Gerdusky. I felt like Gerdusky sounded a little bit better. Yeah, it sounds like a baseball player in the fifties or something. I don't know. Um, yeah. Well, Michael, it's been so long. I want everybody to know. I have been begging you, pleading with you, Michael Metzinger. Let's do the MD Red podcast. Dozens of people are asking for it. Um, you know, your mom has been dying to see it. I know she's a huge fan. Uh, yes. And all 12 other people in like that watch this show periodically. And Michael, the accountant, not Dane, the investment banker, is too busy. Too busy. What's going on there? What are you? What are you doing? Do the numbers balance or not? Here, look, I'm going to impress you with my accounting knowledge, okay? Assets equal liabilities plus equity. There you go. I can be an accountant. You can be a CPA. We're be a CPA. I'm sure we can uh, find uh-huh. the spot for you. Yeah. What are you, or do you do people's personal taxes or is it business taxes? Like, what, what are you doing? Everything. I mean, everything, everything. under the sun from, from audits. We, Usually from like uh, mid to late January through the end of February are, is like audits and compilations and reviews of financial statements and doing those. And yeah. then probably most of March is business taxes. And now now through whatever deadline we have, it's going to be all personal taxes for the most part. So I get a um, nice mix. Okay, I have a question. How many customers or clients rather does a typical accountant maintain? Like, so how many would you be working on in a given tax season? Five, 10, 50, you know, how, what's your, what's your number? Um, businesses probably between maybe 15 and 30, depending on the size, some, some real big ones, wow. some real small. And then personal, I probably, I probably do. I probably review at least. Oh, I don't know, maybe a hundred, something like that. Maybe even more. I, I kind of help a few people review and I, I review others and yeah. So it, it's a lot of, it's a lot of work condensed to three and a half, four, four months of the year. Wow. 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 
I'm, I know I had to do taxes. I, why do we do them usually in February? Already, I think we've gone already got the money back. And yeah. Shanley has probably spent it on um, on Amazon things. Uh, no, just kidding. She's really with mine. Um, but, but yeah, <laughs> I think that's what my wife did with her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we put it. We put it in the IRA, and uh, we were responsible with it. We're lame. We're really boring. I don't know why we're responsible. We're just gonna get it taxed away. We should just get stimmy checks all day. Yeah, um, I did get my Biden bucks as well. So I don't, I don't get Biden bucks. I don't get Trump bucks. I don't get any of that. You shit. missed out. You missed I out. Know. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks so bad. It's not good. No, no, not, not, not good at all. So on tonight's episode, we're going to be talking um, COVID nineteen, this damn thing that won't go away. But we're going to kind of hit it from the angle of the fact that vaccinations are really ramping up across the country, especially, I think I heard a stat for those over the age of maybe 65 or 70, like 75% of that age range, age bracket has already been vaccinated. And then now a lot of states, including Ohio, have just opened it up to pretty much everybody over the age of, I think, 18 or 19, something like that. Yeah. So it's opening up to the masses. And I think we're going to maybe hit at it from the angle of, of, of masks and these and variants, among other things. I know Dane wants to talk a little bit about Dr. Fauci. I think we could talk a little bit about him. But I think people's – the tune's going to have to be changing here very soon once more and more people are vaccinated. I think people's willingness to go along with this much longer, I think people are, are at their wit's end and – I think once they get vaccinated, they're going to start asking, why do I have to continue to do this? So I think we'll kind of hit at that. And then we're also going to talk about Ohio Governor Mike DeWine. He suffered a, a defeat, I think a pretty substantial one, when the Ohio Republican legislature overrode his veto this past week regarding uh, some of his orders and his ability, um, yeah, I guess, to issue orders and what have you during a state of emergency then we'll talk about the Ohio Senate race. Things are, are heating up a little bit there with the initial candidates in the mix. And then we'll talk a little bit about President Biden at the tail end of the show. So he's quick. He's quick. We gotta listen, you gotta spam, Michael. You gotta spam this link. We need we need more. Yes, yeah. I'm uh, start spamming it. Spamming it, spam it everywhere. I want every part of the globe to listen to two, you know white dudes in Ohio's opinion of the world, right? This is this is important, damn it. People need to hear this. Um, by the way, Lent's almost over. Did, did you give up banking for Lent? I know this is totally not on our topic list, but did you give up banking for Lent? Uh, I've been trying to. So some years I've given up pop. It's okay. tough for me to give up pop. It's, 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 it's an extra struggle during tax season to yeah. give up pop and so i i chose not to do it this year i've been trying to uh clean up my language a little bit more oh that's good that's that's really sweet i feel like you know i could give up something material but probably the better thing for me um i don't know would be to clean up my mouth hopefully i don't slip tonight but i think i will i probably already have actually (laughs) um how about you dane i gave up wine um wine yeah, I, uh, I I don't I'm not a big drinker, um, but I do drink wine. Um, so when I gave up wine, it's essentially giving up alcohol. Um, what what pop is your pop weakness of choice? We'll get to Anthony Fauci in just a minute, but I'm a big cherry coke guy. Cherry I, coke. Cherry, it has, I'll drink coke. I'll drink Pepsi, but cherry coke is my thing. Oh wow! 
What about you? Do you have? I, I don't drink pop. I don't. Wow. I don't drink pop. I don't drink it at all. I've given up completely. If I drink pop, I'd be like nine hundred pounds. Um, That's the thing. I'll drink like usually just one a day. Now, if I'm at a restaurant, I'll get a refill, but I usually yeah. I'm pretty good about limiting myself to one. Yeah. Can a day. So wow. Well, well, good luck with that. It's almost Easter. By the way, today's Palm Sunday. Happy Palm Sunday. Yes. You know, yes. Palm Sunday is interesting because, you know, the people of Jerusalem celebrate Jesus as he marched into the city. And then a week later, they crucified him. And it just goes to show you how you, know, you can't really trust people at the end of the day, right? Because they will always do what is politically convenient and popular, uh, not necessarily the right thing, you know? Uh, where would you have been? Would you have been in the crowd or Jesus to die on uh, when they crucified him on Good Friday? I don't know. I probably would have been, right? Because it takes a really brave person to stand up to the crowd and the masses of the crowd. Um, so to me, Good Friday is a, uh, or Palm Sunday is kind of a good argument against believing too much in democracy, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, people, people will turn against you. But, well, listen, let's, let's talk about COVID. Is COVID still going on? What's, What's the latest there? Yeah. Uh, well, the latest is you're, you're seeing a few states. Because I, 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 I've mentioned in previous episodes, I, I do listen to CNBC each day at work. And they're, they're quick to, to, to tout these states that are seeing a bit of an uptick. But one of the interesting things, the one guy I do have, I've respected throughout this whole process is the one doctor they have on their doctor. I think it's Scott Gottlieb. And he's pretty good about giving you straight facts on it. And one of the interesting things he was talking about is there's apparently a variant like in Michigan right now, and maybe another one somewhere in the Northeast. But if you look at the numbers and I have it on our spreadsheet, maybe I'll share the tweet. Um, the spike is primarily in, in, in the youth, like between the ages of zero and 19, which is to me, uh, it's, uh, it makes sense because of the vaccinations, but it's also encouraging because it's showing that the age ranges where people are more likely to be vaccinated, we're not seeing a spike there. So uh, Gottlieb, I think on Thursday or Friday, he was saying you would expect to see a little bit of an uptick in the next couple of weeks. And then it pretty much to, to go down quite a bit once more and more people get vaccinated. So that's encouraging. So I have a question about all this COVID stuff. Um, so, I, 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 well, let me, let me back up. I think doctor, I came to the conclusion today, maybe it was yesterday, that Dr. Anthony Fauci is a, is a horrible human being. And, and I want to put that out there. And it's not because it's like, oh, he disagrees with me or anything. I think Dr. Fauci is a nasty, horrible little human being. And the fact that like this bureaucrat has so much say and influence over our lives, right? In some ways, he's like the real president, right? So everybody listens to what he has to say, and he doesn't have dementia, like the current president. Um, then I think he's nasty. Look, I was not one of these conservatives who jumped on the Anthony Fauci hate train from the beginning. Um, you know, I thought he was kind of annoying, but I kind of just ignored him, and I was like, yeah, I don't, uh, he's, you know, I, I don't care. But as time has gone on, and you follow what he's argued, it is very clear that Anthony Fauci's spotlight has risen dramatically as a result of this COVID-19 pandemic. And he has manipulated and continued to hype it up and will do so as a way to milk his own expertise and fame. And I'll tell you what he said that really, really angered me. He made a comment about, um, hold on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull it up. He was on one of these TV shows and, um, 
got to find it. It wasn't the spat with him and um, Rand Paul. That that was not it. That was not it. It's when he said that like children would have to wear masks. Okay. And it's like we have done. Hold on. Let me let me find what he said. Um, he's like children should not play with each other or anything like that. Where where is it? Okay, here we go. Dr. Fauci warns parents about children playing together without masks. Okay, the children can clearly wind up getting affected. He said on face the nation when asked about the risk of kids playing in groups. When the children go into the community, you want them to continue to wear masks when they're interacting with groups or multiple households. Um, but when asked whether kids can return to camp or playgrounds this summer, Fauci said that it was conceivable that it will be possible. Right. So here's here's what really angers me. All the depth evidence. If we want to talk about the science, right? All the evidence is very clear that children are not at risk from this. Um, children can die of this. They can die of anything, right? I don't want to say that there's zero risk. There is some, but there's very very low risk, right? And that children are not vectors of spread. This comes back to the whole debate of whether or not to open up the schools. There's no evidence that that, that shows that opening up the school leads to a surge in cases. The kids are not communicating with each other, right? Um, so our school should have been opened a long time ago. And this has become kind of a political rallying point. And Fauci has kind of back on that issue too. He's kind of went back and forth. He went like, oh no, we can't open up. Or he was like, we can open up the schools. We should to, we can't. Right. And with this whole COVID pandemic thing, how much longer are we going to keep this going on? I think it is incredibly damaging and scarring to children um, that, you know, well, what's this? Confirm, no, no, keep talking, case. keep talking. Yeah, keep sorry. Talking. I, I think it's just it's extremely stressful and damaging to children. And, and look, you know, in the initial wave of the pandemic, I understood that there was a risk to the elderly. Right. And, and I'm not going to say it's, it's just the flu or it's fake or anything like that. I think it's a real disease. It's deadly to certain groups. But the key is it's deadly to certain groups and the elderly are getting vaccinated. So we, we need to return to normal as quickly as possible, not because it's like fun and convenient. We can all go party, but so that our children get to grow up in the lives that we enjoyed and grew up in. Every year that we do this to them, we're doing incalculable damage to children. I mean, I can't imagine being a school-age parent and what it's done. We've set kids back years in terms of education and learning and socializing. We've seen teen suicide rates have skyrocketed. Depression rates have skyrocketed. So there are real costs. And I feel bad that, like, my daughter, who was born in December of 2019, has not grown up in a world where she sees people – like faces, right? That's going to cause harm where she doesn't see faces in the grocery store and stuff. And then you have this Fauci who there's no science to any of this. That, that's the thing. If you were just the messenger and the news were bad, but like kids were a big transmission vector, you can't be angry at him over that. But he comes on there and like, well, maybe if you're good, right, your kids will get to have a normal childhood. Maybe, just maybe. Maybe if you're good, you'll get to celebrate Christmas or Easter. And it's like, it's just insane. And, and then the, the, here's the other thing. And I'll, I'll stop. Florida has opened up a while ago. Texas just lifted the mask order. Cases are not surging there. People are not dying. I think and this is going to be controversial within this whole mask debate. I think that masks are probably a variable, but they're probably ranked like 50th on the list of 50 other things that matter more, including people's ages, the ages of a given population, the health of a given population, the geography, the weather, the climate, whether the cities are dense, whether they're spread out, all these things, right? And all these things matter far more than mass. And we've made this a huge cultural flashdown. And, and 
both sides have zeroed in on mass as being like the determinant variable. And I think it's just an irrelevant variable. And I think the proof of that is, look, Texas lifted the mask mandate, okay? And, and people aren't dying in the streets. Florida didn't have a mask mandate. People aren't dead. People aren't like dead by the truckload. They're just like tossing bodies in the crematorium or anything like that. You know, if, if this were really that, I think the biggest thing is people should be less mindful of what's on somebody else's mouth and more mindful what's going in their mouth. Because the biggest driver of death is obesity, right? And Americans, the reason we're so vulnerable to this in Western Europe is because we're all fat, right? And nobody wants, nobody can say that. Nobody can say that. There was this, I'm, I'm going to stop. I, I'll just stop there. It's, <laughs> it's just insanity. And and I think Fauci is a, is a horrible person because he's milking this. That's the thing. He's milking it for his own personal gain. Okay, done. Probably other than eight, every viewer we have. <laughs> So, and I'm going to get to Fauci and Rand Paul in, in a second, but so I had mentioned at the start of the show, the case is declining. So this is again from Dr. Scott Gottlieb. He's on CNBC quite a bit. You see, like, especially look at that 70 to 80 or 70 plus category. These last few, few bars right here, completely falling off. And then you start seeing here, these are the, the middle ones are the ones where people are probably within the last. I would say the last three weeks, probably to start of March, you're probably more likely to start getting some vaccinations in this group. And then obviously we aren't seeing vaccinations among kids. So that's highest. And, and what, why this is important is because at the start of the pandemic, it was the complete opposite of this, you know, wasn't a big risk, especially with those under the age of 19, there weren't a ton of cases. It was definitely with the old, um, older population. And so this is encouraging, um, so I wanted to share that. The second thing I wanted to share though, is this clip between Rand Paul and Dr. Fauci, which I thought is important. And, and Dan, I agree. I, I haven't really had much of a feeling one way or the other on Dr. Fauci throughout this whole thing. I've kind of listened yeah. to him and, uh, right. you know, he, 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 you know, there were times when Trump, you know, Gave him credit for things, among other things. But again, he he is what he, whatever. He, he didn't bother me like a lot on the right, but lately Same. he's been bothering Same. me. But yeah. this clip is really where you could kind of tell with his tone here. Yeah, I, I, just let's watch this clip and then we'll talk about it. Stunned variants, so you some you want people to wear a mask for another couple of years. No, you've been vaccinated and you parade around in two masks for show. No, you can't get it again. There's almost there's virtually zero percent chance you're going to get it. And yet you're telling people with them that have had the vaccine who have immunity. You're defying everything we know about immunity by telling people to wear a mask to been vaccinated. No. Instead, you should be saying there is no science no. to say we're going to have a problem from the large number of people being vaccinated. You want to get rid of vaccine hesitancy? Tell them they can quit wearing their mask after they get the vaccine. Okay. You want people to get the vaccine? <laughs> Give them a reward instead of telling them that the nanny state's going to be there for three more years and you got to wear a mask forever. People don't want to hear it. There's no science behind it. Well, let me just state for the record that masks are not theater. Masks are protective. And we have immunity there, theater. If you already have immunity, you're wearing a mask to give comfort to others. So that's a clip with Rand Paul of Kentucky and, and Dr. Fauci. And I, the part about it I like the most is he pretty much tells them, listen, you're vaccinated. Why are you parading right. around wearing two masks? And it's, 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 a, it's, it's an absolutely valid point. There's no other reason he's doing that. And 
It is it, it, in in many ways. It is theater, and, and then we also saw this the other day with with Ted Cruz with a reporter who's like, "Why aren't you wearing a mask when he was at the mic?" And he says, "Listen, I'm vaccinated. Why why does it matter to you?" It, right. it, it it's going to be a it's going to become a bigger point of contention. It's going to be very heated now that more and more people are being vaccinated. I, I'm I'm through my first one. I think I get my second one in like Which three one did weeks. You get Moderna. Um, oh, no. okay. it is what it is. I, I had no reaction the first time. I fully in, expect something the second go around, but um, that's the end of tax season. That's the weekend right after tax season's over. So I don't mind. Uh, so again, I'm, 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 trust me, I'm, I'm, there's, I think this, there's, there's pent up demand in society to get out there and live their lives again and start going to restaurants and bars and do it freely without the fear of wearing that vaunted mask um, wherever you go. So, it's going to be very, very interesting. And I think these public health officials are going to be losing people very quickly once these vaccinations um, continue on. And here's the thing. And I might talk about it with the wine too. I, I'd be surprised if we get 65 to 70% of the population vaccinated because I think there is a, you know, maybe a sizable chunk who are not going to want to get this vaccine for whatever reason or another. And my concern is that these public health officials are going to use that as a means to continue on these mandates and what have you. Um, but that shouldn't be the case. You know, if people choose not to get it, unfortunately for them, that's, that's not my problem. There comes a point in time where it's not our problem anymore. If they want right. to take that chance, let them. Uh, but right. don't keep the rest of us shut down because of it. And so I, I completely agree with you. I think it's important that there are two points I want to make. One, when the pandemic first started, the reason why everything was socialized, and, and I, I mean that in the, the most neutral sense, was because there, was, there were fears that the cases would spike, everybody would be sick, and the ICUs would be overwhelmed, right? It wasn't that people would get sick and die. It's that it could cause a systemic collapse of our health system. That never happened. It, it, it never happened in the U.S. The US. If I'm wrong, somebody please correct me. But the hospital systems were, were fine. They were strained, as they tended to be strained during flu season, but they never collapsed, right? All these little emergency hospitals that they built were never utilized and used. Now, okay, masks did that, masks didn't do that. Who cares, right? point is they weren't strained. But that was the original reason that every all this was implemented. The second thing is, after a certain point, it becomes people's personal responsibility. If the vaccines have a 90 plus percent uh, effectivity rate, if I choose to get vaccinated, okay, I basically, I got it. I protected me. If, if Michael doesn't choose to do it, that's his decision. If he gets sick and dies, right, that's that's on Michael, okay? It's, it's unfortunate. I'm not trying to be cold or callous, but that's on him. If he decides not to get the vaccine, it's on him. And, and maybe Michael's fine with that. Maybe he's like, look, I, I accept that responsibility. I, if I get sick and happen to die from it, it's, it's on me. You know, okay. That's the way that our society used to work. I, I don't understand why we have implemented this draconian system, literally the most authoritarian system to fight a virus. that is, It's a deadly virus, but it's not like the bubonic plague or anything like that. And moreover, the focus on cases to me kind of, belies the point. The point is that there's a case, right? Given that so many of these cases are people getting the sniffles or people don't even know, right? They're asymptomatic. The point are deaths. And if we can mitigate through a combination of vaccine, the most at-risk population, we get them all vaccinated. And if we have better ways of treating it, the death rate falls. 
And who cares how many people get it? In fact, you know, I'm it's a hot take. I don't know. Maybe I'm a moron, but if if we mitigate the death rate and the and we protect the vulnerable population, maybe it's good that the healthy population kind of gets it and spreads it. In addition to the vaccines, because it forms a form of natural immunity barrier. And let's get it all now in the summer while you know the weather is yep. nice before flu season. I, I don't know. It's just it's just so crazy and. I, I really think that, again, I hate to be a conspiracy theorist, but I, I do think that there's a lot of control. Um, people people want the political power. We want control. And this has been – it's real. I don't think they caused them to really spread it. But I think they're using this crisis to their advantage to clamp down and to further eliminate our, our liberties. Like, I don't know. Like, we, we've got to eventually say, like, okay, we make the vaccine. We give it two weeks. You know, we give it some time and then we kind of go back to normal. And I'm sorry. And if you're scared of that, that, that's okay. But that's on you. Why should healthy people be cloistered up? Healthy people should be going out and interacting. Um, they shouldn't be cloistered up at home. Children should be – this is controversial. Children should play with children. That's a, that's a really good thing. I, I don't know. Yeah. So I, I think the key is going to be when it comes to that point when – the supply of the vac- vaccinations exceeds the demand. So right now there's still a ton of demand. It, I don't think it's nearly as difficult to get one. Um, if you're signed up in multiple spots, you could probably find an appointment within, you know, I would say a two week period. It's going to start changing where there's going to be a lot more po- openings out there for people to get the vaccine. I would say by maybe May 1st is going to be the time frame where we're really going to start seeing. I think April, you're going to see a ton of the people probably ages, like in our age range, 25 and up, are going to be getting this or have the opportunity to get it. And they're going to, there's going to come a point, especially in our age range, where people are going to be like, I'm not getting it. And I'm thinking it's probably going to be, at least in Ohio, probably in that May 1st time frame, especially yeah. with these statewide mass vaccination sites. I know there's one. Uh, at the Southern Park Mall, at the former Dillard's, and they're using the Johnson and Johnson one, so it's the one and done. And the, you know, if you're getting, I don't know, ten, fifteen thousand people a day at those state ones, maybe even more, um, that's quickly getting people in and out, get them vaccinated, and they're going to have that form of immunity within you know two or three weeks. And again, it shouldn't be about cases at that point; it should be about. ICU admissions and deaths. And today in particular in Ohio, granted, it is a single day. There were zero ICU admissions and zero deaths reported, which is great news because what's interesting is the cases have been trickling up a little bit. There are a few days. Now, today it was back down, I think, right around a thousand cases. But and the only reason I'm mentioning cases is because this is the threshold. This is a good transition that Mike DeWine, he said a threshold, I believe, of 50 cases per 100,000. And if you do the math on that, and that's over a 14-week, 14-day time frame, that equates to like roughly 390 cases per day. So the reason I keep watching cases isn't because I'm concerned with COVID going up or down or spreading in society necessarily. It's a threshold that Governor DeWine has set for Ohio to lift all health orders. However, and I guess this is a good time to transition, I don't think it's going to matter because I think come June 1st when the legislature has the ability to rescind these health orders that are currently there, I think they're going to be gone. You know, so for those of you not living in Ohio, there's been this debate playing out because DeWine has obviously been, I wouldn't say he's been a hard, hard on the COVID lockdown. He's been kind of in the middle of the road, right? Not lenient like a DeSantis or maybe an Abbott, but not really strict like a, 
the murderer uh, and rapist in, in New York. What's his name? Cuomo. Cuomo. Um, yeah. Yeah. Remember the media told us we had a love Cuomo and then it came, turned out that he was like molesting everybody with two legs. And well, I'll stop there. Anyways. So Dwight's been kind of in the middle. The legislator obviously has been even more Republican since the election, very conservative Republicans. And they've been trying to eliminate, limit his orders, giving it, you know, right now, DeWine has the power to, to implement public health orders indefinitely under the new bill that just passed and overrode the veto. The, the public health orders can be in effect for like a 60 day period or 90 day periods, but then they'd have to be renewed by the legislator. Right. So the legislator has a crucial check to me. I'm going to have a controversial take. I am actually, and this is going to sound like a pansy opinion, but I'm not mad at DeWine for how he's handled it. I think he's handled it well. And I'm not mad at the legislator. I actually believe that both of them are doing their jobs. It's scary how we think alike on this one. <laughs> it is. And I'm going to say it quickly because I bet you'll be able to articulate it. DeWine has to – I'm a COVID skeptic type of person. I'm not very brave. But what I recognize is that the public doesn't think like I do, right? And DeWine has to respond, respond to public opinion, public pressure. So he has – he has tried to navigate a balance between being restrictive to meet the public needs over concerns of the virus while still opening up, right? And I think he's basically done that correctly. I think the legislator, the legislative, uh, the legislature, sorry, uh, has done a really good job. Uh, they should have the right, and I think their position is the fair one, that in an emergency, the government has the first say. But if it's truly emergency, the legislature will then ratify it or cancel it, right? And, and then it falls on their shoulders, right? And, and if, if this is a situation where everybody's dying by the truckload, the legislators then not going to lift the public order. They're going to let it stand, okay? So to me, this is a nice check and balance. And I, I actually agree with both parties. And um, I don't know. And, and the other thing Mike Doyne did, and now I'll stop, he put very clear targets for the lifting of the restrictions. And I think if he had he done that in the beginning, had other governors done that, people would be less concerned because the problem isn't the emergency decree of powers. Government should have the right to implement emergency decree of powers. The problem is emergency decrees without limits or without ends, right? It's not like it's it's like a limitless war. It's like the Iraq war. It's it's one thing if you say we're going to have this emergency until the volcano is over, right? It's another thing if you say we're going to have this emergency and there's no clear end. And by Mike DeWine giving clear, concrete timetable for when he's going to lift the restrictions, it put my mind at ease because I go, oh, this isn't a permanent power grab as soon as cases fall to this point. And we can argue what that point should be, but there's, there is a clear end, right? And and that is key. Had other governors in the government done in the beginning, we would be in a totally different world. All excellent points, Dane. So, uh, you know, back to this whole thing with DeWine. So back to the override, actually. I – wasn't really clear as to what was in this piece of legislation. My concern was it gave the legislature the ability to immediately rescind an order from the executive branch. And as I've had this discussion with some coworkers at work, that was something I could not get behind. I always thought you should at least have the executive branch have some authority, maybe for 30 days 
um, to have some sort of ability to issue some sort of order of some sort. And then the legislature would come in with the checks and ballots. I think this piece of legislation is even more reasonable than I even would have hoped. It says the bill limits a state of emergency to 90 days. It gives the lawmakers the authority to terminate a state of emergency after 30 days. Um, and allows them to terminate orders coming out of that emergency all through a resolution. I think it's a proper system of checks and balances. And listen, I've been a, you know, DeWine's out there on his own little island. That's what I like. He, he, is. he, he, he just marches to the beat of his own drum. He has pissed off plenty of Republicans during this. Once the budget talks resumed, he started to piss off Democrats. He's on his own little island out there doing his own thing. I don't think really much really goes through that head that bothers him in terms of all of, you know, the political ruckus in Columbus. And I've been, you know, favorable. I haven't agreed with all of his decisions. And we've talked about that over over the, um, the last year. But I also haven't been one of those Republicans who have hated him from uh, the start of this pandemic. And so I, I think this is a reasonable compromise with the legislature, and this is where it ties in the COVID. So again, I just mentioned this 50 case per 100,000 threshold threshold over a two-week time frame. That's like 390 cases a day or something like that for the state of Ohio. I have a hard time believing that's going to be met. And come June 1st, the legislature has the ability, I believe it's June 1st, to rescind the current orders and lift all these and eliminate the mass mandates, et cetera, et cetera. I think if DeWine were smart to avoid a second political defeat, I think he needs to start having those discussions with the legislature now, maybe to find a different number, whatever that threshold is. Maybe it's not 50 cases. Maybe it's 100 cases or 75 cases. Something that's reasonable probably moves the the, 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 the target up because, again, we've we just talked about it. There are going to be people who are not going to get vaccinated. And as a result, there are always going to be cases. And it's unfair to the general population to keep these orders in place because of people who don't want to get vaccinated. And as a result... I think he needs to change his number, and I think he's he, he's going to have to figure that out over the next month or so. Or he's going to really—I think he could ill afford another defeat on this. I, I think he's handled think COVID so fa- fairly well, and but I think the fact is, I feel as though he would beat any Democrat in the general election pretty much going away. His issue isn't the general election; his issue is going to be the Republican primary, and right now. I think the only competition, although he hasn't announced, is Jim Renacci, who I don't view as a strong candidate. I like the guy. I'm, you know, I follow him on Facebook. I agree with a lot of his stuff. I don't think he's a strong candidate necessarily. I don't know who else is going to run. It seems like the Senate race is more the one uh, more coveted right now. So I think that's the key for him is to get past COVID as quickly as he can without pissing off the Republican base, especially the Trump core, the Republican base in the state. Um, but again, this is a state that had Kasich as governor, obviously DeWine as, as, as governor, had Portman as a senator. It's not – even though Trump won the state twice by eight points, doesn't necessarily mean it's like a hard right Trump core state. There are still a lot of those mainstream Republicans that I think would be enough to push DeWine over the edge. But he's got to be – he's got to watch very carefully because I think the longer this goes on, the more damage it will be for him politically moving forward. Yeah, I, I think perfect take. I'm, I'm in complete agreement with you, Michael. Um, he's got to compromise with the legislature. And this is this is the way the system should work, right? In an emergency, the executive should have some power to act quickly. Um, 
I think in the Federalist Papers, they, they said that the executive should act with um, immediacy and, and dispatch or secrecy and dispatch, right? They should be able to act quickly and, and, and decisively. But that act should come up to the review of the legislator when you have more time to process that whatever crisis they were in. So I agree. And I also agree with your take on, on Jim. I can never pronounce his last Renacy? name. Right? Renacy? I always thought it was Ren- Renacci or Ren- Renacci. Yeah, I, yeah. But his commercials, I've seen it say Renacy. It's Renacy. I think you're I think you're right. And I think he's a good guy. I don't see anything wrong with him, but I don't think he can defeat DeWine. I haven't seen anybody on the the race side that could defeat DeWine. But if DeWine, you know, keeps the mandates going down into summer, his chance of losing starts to exponentially go up, right? Like right now I give DeWine the clear edge, but the longer this goes on and when summer comes, you know, I think you hinted to this, people will not be doing this during the summer. Okay. As soon as that weather gets to 75 degrees, people are going to be wanting to bust free in with the vaccines. So DeWine keeps the restrictions on going into May. It's just not going to happen in June. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I think you, I think you've got it right, which kind of leads us to the next topic, which is the Senate primary. This is where Ryan Trubisky is going to get mad at us. Um, <laughs> but I should, I should text him right now, but anyways, keep going. Yeah. Why don't I turn it over to you on this, the Senate? Yeah. So let's talk about the Senate race. So right now, uh, obviously Ohio Senator Rob Portman has announced that he's not running for reelection. So it's going to be a big, big, um, Big race in 2022 for this seat, especially amongst the Republicans and and Democrats. On the Democrat side, we know that Tim Ryan, uh, my local congressman, who sees the writing on the wall that his district's going to be axed, is announced he's running for Senate. I know there's talk of of former DeWine, Ohio Department of Health, whatever her title, Amy Acton. She could be in the running as well. She is also a native of Youngstown, so you could have two Youngstown natives um, running for the Democrats. There might be a couple other names on the Democrat side. I I don't think it necessarily matters, but it could matter depending on who the Republicans um, choose. Right now we have Josh Mandel, who former, I believe, state treasurer back in the Kasich era. He lost to Sherrod Brown back in 2014, I believe, uh, by probably four or five points. I'll share my opinions on him momentarily. Then we have former Ohio Republican Party chairwoman, Jane Temkin, who is, who, you know, I think she was reelected, but then she, she um, vacated her seat to run for Senate. And then I know uh, you're, you're, you got a grin on your face because of, of J.D. Vance, who I see Ryan Gerdusky tweeting a lot about. And I actually had a co. It's funny. It's funny. We were going to talk about this JD Vance. I have to do some more research. I'll be first to admit. I actually had a coworker talk to me about him. Uh, let me. I think it was this past week. And then I also had one of my cousins who I know tunes in quite a bit mention him as well. So I have to do some more research on JD. But I think those are probably going to be the three candidates. There might be a fourth or fifth that some people I've never heard of, but I'm guessing it's going to be those three on the Senate side for the Republicans. So I um, I just texted uh, Ryan Drudusky, Drudusky, I can't say his name. I'm sorry, Ryan. And he said he wants to listen. He, he says he thinks it's going to be seven candidates. That's why I was grinning. I don't know if he's too, can you, are you broadcasting this over Twitter, Michael? Uh, I shared it. He t- just tell him to click the link that just I tweeted out, link. which he liked. He said, I offered to, to have him join. And he <laughs> said, sure, send me the link. 
but he can only be on for a second. So we're going to have a special guest star. Here we go. <laughs> Send it out, Michael. Here we go. To, to have him actually come on, you want me just to DM him? DM him, yeah. Okay. All right. Let's see what let's see what Ryan has to say. Ryan is not a fan, I know, of Jane Tempkin. I'll say that. No, he's not. No. He has no. gone gone after uh after Jane. This yeah, this will be interesting. But, uh, I guess before he joins us, let me just say something. I have not been a big I, I supported Josh Randell previously and I actually had hoped he would have run against Sherrod Brown a couple years ago because I think he probably could have beat him, but he went away. I, he backed out of that race because I thought his wife had health issues. Regardless, he, he had to back out of the race. But he was quiet all of 2020, and then he just, you know, he announces he's running, and he's trying to be the hardcore Trump candidate. And uh, joining us. Hey, guys. Is he here? Hey, hey Ryan. It's is Ryan Kurdusky. Ryan, how you doing? Good. My uh, my camera is not on right now because. That, that, uh, that's okay. We just need your lovely voice. Oh, oh yeah, fine. my lovely voice. So I know you only have a minute or two. So we're talking I'm briefly order, about this. I'm I'm ordering a cappuccino for my. I have company over. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm going to order some cappuccinos to be delivered. On meanwhile, I'm doing this. Oh, so that's, how yeah. can you be a populist when you're ordering cappuccinos? <laughs> I am getting del- delivered. I am not making cappuccino. I like so, French vanilla cappuccino. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Yeah. I'm not a coffee drinker either. And, oh, I love coffee. Anyhow, we're talking briefly about the Senate race in Ohio. Yeah, I want to hear your I, opinions. I, yeah. Well, you know, go uh, ahead, Dane. I know. Dane, oh, well, no, Dane I'm going to share my. I'm going to hold on, Michael. I want to hear your opinion. You just oh. listed all the candidates. Who do you think is the strongest? Well, again, I don't. I'll say I don't. I think Josh Mandel has come out from the start and just look like a fool. I don't know what his strategy is other than kind of going at the hearts and souls of the, the, the people who are, I don't know, a little emotionally driven in politics. I'm tentatively, I know Ryan's not going to like this tentatively on the Timken train, but I, obviously it's very early of the ones who have announced. I don't know half the other ones. And I, I maybe Ryan maybe wants to share a comment. Can you, on, can on, you, can you tell me why you're on the Timken train? Well, I guess as somebody locally, again, I'm looking at more from this perspective. She decided she saw an opening. In, Dane in is the smiling Mahoning. so hard right now. Yeah. Go ahead, sorry. <laughs> you saw an opening in the Mahoning Valley, an area that has been abandoned by the state Republican party for probably 40 years. And she said, you know what, we're going to invest there. And, and look what happened. Now, part of this is Trump. Don't get me wrong. But we yeah, carry both counties, it and it's not only that. We like won like four or five races down Ballin in both counties, which is unheard of and didn't happen I necessarily think- four years ago. So that's why I'm, I'm I'm high on her. I think she's a reasonable kind of candidate to to, to get the Trump base and then the uh, the mainstream okay. Republican base. Michael, would you say that your average Republican in Ohio, who, who do you think that they would support right now? Not – you know, necessarily long term. Uh, I would say right now, I would uh, uh, if it was between Mandel and Temkin, I would say Temkin because I think Mandel again is kind of coming at this a little too harshly to start. So I this is this is some hot takes. I, I share the opinion. I won't say to whom um, that Timken was the strongest candidate in the the primary. Not that I support Timken. This is just a um, was this our conversation? Yeah, and okay. and I got so like, much hate from Ryan that like Jane Timken <laughs> is going to get destroyed. She's weak, and I'm telling you, Ryan, this is hot. Jane is a strong candidate now. Whether or not she should be is another matter. And I 
think she's that strong. I mean, her polling numbers are legitimately garbage. Yeah, but nobody's paying attention. Literally, nobody. The polling number at this point is just a reflection of. No, 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 no. Her her personal approval rating is garbage. You don't spend hundreds of thousands of dollars nineteen months before an election if you're a likable person. She's not a likable person. And so she's trying to make herself seem likable. That could work out. I mean, you can lie to voters and they <laughs> they will end up believing it. But she has she's got deep, 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 deep problems with her as a candidate that I think are ultimately going to hurt her in the end. Um, for instance, during the Trump presidency, while her husband was the head of Timken, whatever, not Timken Steel, but the other Timken company. Is it the one um, in Canton thing? There's two it? Timkins. They okay, split okay. away. One does advanced engineering. Um, Timkin Barron. Gotcha. I, I saw you tweeted that, Ryan. I wasn't sure. While that, com- yeah, while that company was cutting jobs in Ohio, they were building factories in Mexico under Trump's presidency. The president that she loved so much, she was, you know, she was deindustrializing Ohio during his presidency. Um, then she was asked, do you think that it, do you support first of all, and her family's company also gets $40 million directly from the Chinese communist party every year. That's their, that's their state contract with the CCP is $40 million profit per year. That is super problematic. Then she was asked point blank as on Breitbart. She was asked, do you, do you think that's a good idea? She wouldn't answer. They said, do you support cutting the jobs in Ohio and building the factories in Mexico? She wouldn't answer. Will you keep hold of the stock of your family company, you and your husband, after, if you become an United States senator? She wouldn't answer. She point blank would not answer. That is super problematic. Here's, here's the problem. Here's the problem with my, with Ryan. It's not that Ryan's wrong, right? Jane Timken has been very clever in creating this narrative that she was on the ground helping Trump get elected, that she has put in the sweat to get him elected. I, in that I, massive guess, I, I, I get and that it's, lie. And I it's, get it's that. resonating. It's resonating. You take yeah, but you're like in your- Fabio, which is he's like a big local hero. He's a young sound guy. He's met Trump. I think he used to be a truck driver. Yeah, huge. we gotta get Gino on. By the way, one of these. He, days. Yeah, we do. He's a huge Jane Timken fan. You I know Gino. At, I know Gino. He, he's a great guy. He loves Jane Timken, right? He's Gino is Gino is Gino is a total grassroots guy. Great guy. Good person. He was very involved with Christina Hagen. Yes. I worked in Ohio in 2018. Jane Timken. I'm not gonna swear, but it rhymes with punt. She was. <laughs> The worst, worst, worst person. She absolutely worked to sabotage every Trump supporting candidate throughout the entire state of Ohio. And there is enough of those stories where I think that they will resonate. She created Anthony Gonzalez and she defended Anthony Gonzalez till the day Rob Portman announced retirement. But the day. But here's the thing. I don't she think said the, vote, the vote to impeach Donald Trump was a reasonable vote for him to make. I, I don't think it's resonating. I don't think it's resonating. I well, no one he, has spent money saying it. Exactly. There's, so doesn't that you're, 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 you're 19 months out. No, wait until there's commercials. 24 hours a day, James Timken said a vote to impeach Donald Trump was reasonable. Wait till, uh, that, wait till that goes day in and day out because there's so much money that we're circling around. It's not even funny. Um, 
The other candidates who are probably going to announce, Daryl Scott is not running, so just take that out of the consideration. Um, Warren Davidson, Mike Gibbons, Steve Stivers, J.D. Vance, um, uh, and then there's one more name that I'm Who's not remembering. He's that representative. He's yeah. a congressman. Mike Gibbons is a congressman. Oh, no, sorry. Sorry, Mike Gibbons is a candidate, not a congressman. Um, and then there's someone else I'm missing. Warren Davis. I said, Bernie, Bernie Marino. Bernie Marino, yeah, the business guy. Bernie Marino is running for sure. Yeah. So they're all there. It's going to be like eight major candidates running. Jane is spending an enormous, enormous, enormous amount of her money um, to do it. And also Jane has re-released. Jane's like list of endorsements, of early endorsements, was not super impressive. And she was releasing some of the same names over and over and over again. I just um, saw that list. Funny you mentioned that. And it seemed long. It's it seems it's a lot um, of it's a lot of like state like it's a lot of people who are just members of the parties. There's a there's about yeah. a dozen state legislators. I'll endorse her. Can I get on the list? I, no. <laughs> she probably wouldn't care. But anyway, so that's that is the that is like what's going on right now. But she's gonna have a lot of competition for the center center Republican people. I think this is why I think Jane Tidkin is, is a strong candidate. Not, I'm not again, I'm not endorsing. I'm not saying I'm not saying she's not a strong candidate. She's a very strong candidate. However, I think that I know her poll numbers because I've I because other people who have looked at running have done polls. I mean, I'm not gonna say names, but they're not and they're not going to run. they they were looking at running and they were doing polls. And her personal likability is very, very, very low. I believe she, that. She does I not believe. get people warm and fuzzy. And the problem is that Timken is going to have, and maybe boomers won't recognize it. I don't really know. You can say MAGA all you want, but if you don't actually follow it up with any policy position or any position that sounds you know, like support of the president. All she's doing is taking RNC talking points. So, I mean, she did that. her, her Mandel and JD Vance did, and I did a speech for the Ohio college Republicans. Right. And she literally bungled almost every answer. Like, cause she was trying to remember talking points that the RNC had fed her. So Ryan, here's the big problem. Right? Also, she's Mitch McConnell's candidate, which all these things are true, but the problem Brian, with, with populism as today as a movement, right? Is that it's almost too smart for its voters, right? Because all you have to do is go out and say, MAGA, 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 and you can have the policies of the Chamber of Commerce, but as long as you get that hug from Trump or that tweet for Trump, right? And Trump himself no, you're is, is... You're not getting a tweet for this. Trump. <laughs> well, but, but still, as long as you get that, that Trump-like support, you, you get elected. It, it's not a policy issue. Like, And well, this, is, this is a big thing. Like, Populism would love it to, to be about to, like, economic to a, nationalism. Mm-hmm. Dan, I'm gonna, I'm, Dan, I'm going to cut you off. To a point, yeah. I can I can talk about uh, what was his name, the senator from Alabama, Big. What do he called himself? Big Mike, Big Steve, who was a senator for about 36 hours. The former attorney general who lost after Trump campaigned for him personally to that crazy pastor, 
in the Republican primary in Alabama. Oh, yeah, yeah. That guy, uh, yeah. There's Madison Cawthorn is a sitting congressman, even though Trump campaigned against for his opponent. Lauren Boebert is a sitting congressman, even though Trump campaigned for her opponent. Uh, Bob Good is a sitting congressman, even though Trump Jr. was doing robocalls into the district against Bob Good. He's a sitting congressman. There were at the end, people forget at the end of the of the Trump presidency, he lost like six 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 primaries. Yeah, in the 2020 election, he was not his. And also, even look at CPAC. It's CPAC. 55 percent wanted Trump in 2024. That is not a great number. At no. CPAC, it should be like 90 percent. I just what I'm skeptical of, Ryan, is that you can make a MAGA movement without Trump. Like, OK, here's what I don't know. And this is a genuine question. Sure. Was what attracted people to Trump his policies? I would love for it to be the policies, right? Because that's like the big brain opinion. Or was it the fact that he said stuff and was colorful and, and would you know say off the wall? It was a, it really it, attracted people. To it was. I, I think there's. Like I think there's a mixture. Remember, Trump primary voters in 2016 were not the working collar blue, blue. Ted Cruz voters and Marco Rubio voters and Bernie Sanders voters had lower median incomes in 2016 primary than Trump voters did. Wow. Hmm. And, uh, yes, you can look it up. Trump did not attract just people who were like, oh, I want a gold-plated toilet, too, and I'm married to a supermodel. He attracted right. a lot of, lot of upper-income, upper-middle-income people. Um, and this is when he was saying, you know, Muslim ban and all the rest of the stuff. Um, that, was his, that was his base. It was not – it was absolutely not um, – um, was not like this – working so, collar, you know, whatever that they, they did come later on, but they were not the first people to support him. So, okay. So building off of this, can, can a JD Vance, who's the guy you like, can he win the blue collar voter? I think uh, he can. Uh, I know I'm, you're skeptical, Dane. I'm skeptical. I want him to. But Again, I'm also, also Dane, your family likes Anthony Gonzalez and they like uh, Dan Crenshaw and they like Nikki Haley. Like your family no has the way. shittiest hot takes on politics I've ever seen before. I'm one group of people. Like, family? What? My cousins are the ones that like Crenshaw. <laughs> oh, okay, Michael. It was you. Never mind. <laughs> shittiest hot takes in politics. I don't come out of one family I've ever seen before. No, I Jesus. Michael's not my family. No, 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 no. Sorry, go ahead. I got the I got the two confused. Your wife. Um, no, I'm not a bad singer. I, I have good takes on politics. Um, um, no, but but JD Vance. Here's my problem with JD Vance. JD Vance is thinking through this story bullying, right? He, he thinks like the way to appeal to the blue collars to go through economic nationalism, and we talk about things that like an Orrin Cass, right? Uh, working paper, like protecting families and that. When reality, and I don't know if I even believe this, by the way, I'm just articulating this view. When in reality, like what drew people to Trump was him saying, like, yeah, Mexicans are rapists, right? Some of them are good people. But Trump, um, no, 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 no. Here's what, here's what, no, you know, you're, you're reevaluating from a very liberal media standpoint. Go back to that speech. The Mexican, Mexican are drug dealer thing was a side comment to the point of America's not winning anymore. And I know how to win because I've won before. And I know how to uh, how to run D.C. because I've run all these politicians forever. It was not – it was – Trump did – this is like the total misconception from the media. 
Trump did not, and then and then because the media pretended to be so outraged, that's when people were like, "Well, fuck your feelings." Excuse my language, and I promise I wouldn't curse. But yeah. that was, but no, the original thing was was uh, we are, we're not we're not winning anymore. America's not winning anymore at that election. And if you read my book, which I'm guessing you didn't, uh, but it, uh, there was there were poll numbers I could that that could be cited where something like I think sixty percent of Republican voters thought that that election was the last chance to save America. Yeah, he's sitting so. there and saying. Yes. So you have a huge portion of the country that feels totally helpless. And he's saying we don't win anymore. And he wasn't selling sunny, optimistic conservatism. He wasn't selling Reagan conservatism, saying the best days ahead of us. He said, no, we're on the losing end. Um, but and- how can a J.D. Vance make that argument in the state of Ohio? Because he's done fairly well, right? Like he he's well, he grew up, he grew up. He- he grew up poor, so, but he's not so poor did, anymore. So, it, did, so, did, but so did Trump, though. Trump personally won. Um, yeah. So, and he never was poor, not for a moment of his life. No. Um, so that's that's one thing about about winning and why you can win. Um, but I think that what so Josh Man so, talk about Josh Mandel. Josh Mandel is clearly yeah. trying to pretend he's Donald Trump right now. Like clearly. he's just he's trying to pretend he's Donald Trump. And anyone who's seen Josh Mandel for thirty seconds knows he's not Donald Trump and he's doing it in the most kind of disgusting manner possible. Like he's like literally thinking if I could just say enough ethnic slurs, people (laughs) will confuse me for Donald Trump. Like just absolutely gross and abhorrently stupid. Um, Jane Timken is not going to say um, something like we need to tax tech companies that silence conservatives and not and and redistribute their wealth, or not say that, but like we need to tax we need to tax tech companies uh, until they stop taxing conservatives. We need to use the power of the government to beat down on these woke corporations who are telling you that your lives don't matter. That are telling you your children have to consider think about if they're transgendered. Who are telling you girls are boys and boys are girls. We're going to tax the shit out of them. We're going to actually use the government against the corporations that hate you, that want you to bend to their will and their knee and win the culture war. He would, J.D. Vance is going to say something like because he's already said stuff like that. But Jane Tim is not going to say something like that. Okay, so here's the problem. Okay, here's, here's the problem. Michael, I'm sorry. It, it, no, I'm you're, you're good. I only have one this, point. Go ahead. Mike's yeah. only there for decoration anytime I'm on the show. That's so right. It's <laughs> so no here, opinions. Here's, here's the problem with that take, though, right, is that I just don't think – I think if you're a Youngstown guy, okay, you're a blue-collar voter, you maybe vote in the Youngstown primary. Maybe you don't, right, or the Republican primary. I, I, I don't – I think you come into it with a skepticism of – J.D. Vance, and you believe Jane Timken, yeah, sure, and I'm telling sure. you why, because you saw Jane Timken in all these rallies, and you think, you know, policy-wise, people don't Wait, vote Dan, I want to sit there and cut you off for one second. If you're a blue-collar worker, as I really have to start going, because I literally have company over, and they're in the okay, living yeah. room. But don't worry, the food is on its way. The um, If you're a blue-collar worker, if you're a, who barely votes or doesn't vote that often, you don't know who Jane Timken is. You've never seen her at a rally, you don't know who she is. You don't know. You probably don't know who J.D. Vance is. Maybe you've heard his name once. You've heard of Josh Mandel because he's ran out for office, ran and failed three times, or actually yeah. five times. He, he, he won, then he failed, and he dropped out. So you've heard of Josh Mandel for sure, or probably. You have literally no clue who Jane Timken is. You haven't got the fucking foggiest clue that she showed up. I'm sorry, I'm swearing again. Uh, I, I didn't even drink before this. But you, didn't, you, you have the foggiest clue that she showed up for Trump. You have no clue that she was at a rally. You don't know that she invested in Mahoney County. 
you don't know. And also in those kind of counties, you're probably looking at an overwhelming number of people who are still Democrat, but vote Republican in the general election for Trump. Um, so where the base of the party is, is still suburban areas. It's still rural areas out of the, out of the Southeast, out of the Northwest. You're not looking at, 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 at Northeast Ohio being pulling in the votes that are necessary. You're going to have to appeal to a lot of more suburban voters, but also when, 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 Josh, when J.D. Vance is there and says, we need an immigration moratorium for 10 years because we need to assembly people and provide jobs. Jane Timken is not going to say that. She's not going to agree with that. 110% will not agree. She's not going to sit there and endorse the Raise Act. She's not going to sit there and do any. She will not take a single risky position that Mitch McConnell will not want her to take. I I would just say this. I would just say this. J.D. Vance has to get spicier. He has to get angry. But he's not even a candidate yet. He's not a candidate. He's not even running yet. When he decides to run, or if he decides to run, he needs to get a little more of an edge because he he has to drop the yuppie shtick. It won't play well enough. I don't think that he's I don't think that he sounds did you see his speech at the that I tweeted the links to? I did. I did. I did. I don't think he sounded like a yuppie there at all. Kinda. Kind of. I'm telling you. Dane, it's, it's, it's only because you're a yuppie and you think everyone sounds like you. It's, it does not like wearing like overalls. <laughs> okay. I want to hear Michael's point and, yeah. and then I go. Yeah, no, that, that's fine. Here's how I view it still. Temkin could say she was the Trump GOP candidate when they asked Borges. Was Bor- by the way, was, was Borges part of Lincoln Project? I know, Ryan, you're the one who blew that whole thing up. Was Borges oh. in the Lincoln pro- Project or was he in a different super PAC? He's in a different super PAC. Okay. So nonetheless, he was still. she was still the Trump camp or trump pick or what have you back in 2017 to get the right. chairwoman so i think she could she could run with that aspect but at the same time still appeal to the more mainstream republican in in the state and, and here's why i think that matters we're still a state that had Kasich as governor dewine as governor portman as senator i don't it's disagree not, with you and, I don't and, and, at all. and the other point is back in 2016 people often forget Kasich did beat Trump by double digits in the primary in Ohio. Right, but, so, but and I know there's the a lot of crossovers. Kasich but, was the king of Ohio in 2016. Yeah, um, I, I, I think had an approval rating of, of something. Kasich had an absurdly high approval rating in Ohio at the time. I just, I, I think there's more mainstream Republican voters than people think, and that's why I, I think she I she could appeal to she could appeal to both while still picking <laughs> off some of the Trump base. I don't, I don't disagree with you whatsoever. Yeah. There's a lot of mainstream voters. She's also going to have potentially a lot more competition for that main street vote. You're going to have Stivers. You're going to have Gibbons. You're going to have a lot more people. Um, and also, I mean, there may be even more people that I, we haven't even heard of yet because I know there is. And I think that people are being very premature with, with you know, who's going to run where. I got the phone with Peter Navarro today who's endorsed Jane Timken. He wanted yeah, to, what's up with that? He Peter wanted Navarro to endorse her. Because he never heard of any of the China stuff. I sent him the article. He's like, I'm going to throw up right now. <laughs> I think that uh, – no, I'm not joking. I, 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 I believe I, you. I, he was like, I'm going to vomit. I had no idea about any of this stuff. I think there are a lot of people who are just not saying who they're going to support this early on. I mean, what's it going to be also if J.D. Vance jumps in and Tom Cotton endorses him or Josh Hawley endorses him? Yeah. I mean, I, I there's, think there's a space for Vance. I, I do think there's a space for Vance. I, I can Paul see Mandel involved, or, alienizing enough people 
And they'll have and, to be alienating people in Ohio. I can't imagine. I'm alienated, and I live in Queens, and I supported Trump since day one. I mean, I'm like, this guy's garbage. His tweet, by the way, was of the various types of illegals flooding across the border. Who will commit, or will more crimes be committed by Muslim terrorists or Mexican gangbangers? Like, what would possess somebody to tweet that out as a, as a U.S. Senate? Here's the thing. No, 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 no. Here, but here's the bigger thing. His whole, and this was his media plan, and it, it paid off to a certain extent. He is, tr- I think this. I, he's trying to get banned from Twitter. He's trying to get banned from Twitter so he can say he's being silenced by big tech. And that is his whole entire thing so he can play up the victim card. This is the same guy who makes up southern accents when he's campaigning in certain parts of the state for no reason. <laughs> you know this, right? Yes. He's from he, will, he, will, he will just have a southern accent. For he'll be in Ohio. He will literally be in Ohio and he'll just make up a southern accent. Uh, he said that Marco Rubio was the future, that, he's a, that he is a Romney Republican. This is a guy... Who went through more, you know, evolutions than Madonna and Cher combined? He will be anything to anybody. He's an opportunist, but, and he was and, silent in all of 2020, and that's why and I don't so, like him. And so is, and but and so is Jane Timken. She's the same way, but she is much more savvy than than he is, and she's she just is. hoping, and she's hoping she could spend all this money and early on and get a brand and get a name that she's this person. Um, but I mean that. I mean, she spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, 19 months out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she better hope that she's got massive fundraising totals each and every single solitary month to keep up with her spending habits. She's got deep pockets. What? She's got deep pockets. And she, she's got probably the donor network in the state. So she's right. she I mean, making I, I, money the last. That's the yeah. other reason why I'm, I'm bullish on not when not you're spending, Not when you're spending a half a million dollars a month, 19 months out. That's Maybe. that is a, these are insane, and they're and by the way, we're 19 months out, and she's spending that much money. That means she only has to spend even more money as they get closer and closer and closer. Um, so yeah, so that is that is what that that is who and I'm so shocked that what's his face really likes Jane because I know, um, what's Gino. The, it's Gino, Gino because I because the people that Gino loves in Northeast Ohio that I know absolutely hate. Jane Timken, and because she has done it, horrible, it, she's it done might horrible. Be because of that investment in the Mahoning Valley, he made but just she, connected with her, and that could be the, the reason. I don't know that to be true. She's been done horrible things to friends of mine. She's done horrible things. She threatened one candidate one time. She called their staff after they agreed to sign with him and said, "If you work for anyone besides the people that I endorse, you'll never work in Ohio politics again." And she got people to quit people's staff. She is a ruthless. You know what? And that, for a chairwoman, that's a great thing. To, that's a great habit to have for a chairwoman. As a candidate, extremely problematic. So there's a difference between the two. And um, and if she's not willing to sit there, if everyone's willing to sit there and take issues, or not everyone, but if a lot of them are willing to take issues and some people are, ma- are able to make it sound intellectual or nice or whatever, and not just gross like uh, Josh Mandel... She's going to have a very tough time when she sits there and says, no, like the status quo on immigration works. And she'll only talk about le- illegal immigration. And she won't talk about jobs. She, When someone sits there and says, Jane, was it right that your company shipped jobs to Mexico during Trump's presidency? How are you helping the president? She's going to say, oh, it wasn't my company. It was my husband's company. And right. she won't. She will never. It's going to be very, 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 very difficult. How about the $40 million a year your family makes from the Chinese Communist Party? Will you return that money? Very, very. Will you sell your your shares of your stock of your family company that makes forty million dollars a year of blackmail from the Chinese Communist Party? 
who was our number one enemy who had the coronavirus and shut down our economy. The problem with all those things are the people that they would alienate might already be going for Mandela potentially. No, 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 no. That will, that will, that will alienate, that will alienate not just Trump voters, that will alienate anyone who is a, oh, was a foreign, pol- who is a war hawk, who is a national security hawk, suburban women that will alienate, that will alienate the entire GOP. China right now has an approval rating lower than the coronavirus does. So, uh, you know, she and she's going to sit there and she's going to have to own all of those dealings that her family has had for all these years. I hope and you're I, right. I, I, I really hope you're right. I, I, I'm nervous that you're not, but I, but I hope that you are. Well, listen, once or twice a year, I have to be wrong, too. So I guess <laughs> maybe it will happen. But I, I, I think Jane has got certain advantages to her that I know. Um, hold on just one second. I, I want to know what like, Ryan's favorite Madonna album is before he leaves to deal with his cappuccinos. I, I know for a fact he's a Madonna fan. I wonder if he likes Lana Del Rey. Do you like Lana Del Rey, Michael? So here's my issue. I'm not good with... I would probably know her songs. That is a she, right? Um, yeah. I think don't uh, I couldn't tell sorry. you a song she sings though. Go ahead. What no 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 what what sorry, what were you saying before that? No, I was just asking what Ryan would think would his favorite Madonna album would be. Mine? Yeah. Oh, I have no freaking clue. Um oh, my, what about song? I don't know. I my mean, favorite Madonna song I do know. It's uh because I got my first kiss while it was playing on the radio. It's crazy for you. Okay. Uh that's not the right answer, but okay. That's that's that song means a lot to me. Kelly okay. Cruz. I was in seventh grade. It was a big moment. I was in my bedroom. It was playing on the radio. I had my first kiss. So, whoa, wherever, wherever, <laughs> wherever Kelly Cruz. Is, uh, it wasn't. It wasn't Kelly Cruz, or it wasn't Jane Timken. It was Kelly Cruz. Uh, Kelly Cruz. My, my first kiss when I was in my seventh grade on my in my floor of my uh, my childhood bedroom. Jane Timken was busy with some. some she doc. was she was destroying someone's soul at the time. <laughs> While she shipped jobs to China. While she shipped While she jobs to China, jobs. right? Probably aborted a baby in her kitchen table. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, so just a joke, allegedly. Um. Anyway, the, um. Why? What was your favorite Madonna song, Dane? Since you were asking me, it's Ray of Light. Ray of Light. That's oh, okay. The, That's a good record. That's a good uh, record. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that is, uh, that's my hot take for the camp. I think it's way, 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 way too early um, for anyone to make anything. What? Um, anyway. All right. I have to go, but, um, thank you. We will thank you for coming on. Of course. Bye. Appreciate it. See you. Bye. Some, some inside baseball there from Ryan. Um, look, I don't think he's wrong, Michael, but I think you and I were on the same page again on that one. Yeah, I, I think early on she's gonna be a she's gonna be tough to beat. Unless here's my issue with those other candidates. No, no offense to Vance, but some of them I still think lack a lot of name recognition. And unless you get one of those state holders like a La Rose or a Houston or or uh, who's the attorney general or one of them to run for something, I don't know who else has the name recognition to take on Timken and Mandel. I agree. I agree. I think she's really. I think Mandel's gonna fade. I think he's got name recognition. That's why he's potentially in the lead, but he he fades because he's just too out of control. And I think Tim Kinn fills that void as he fades. And I just don't see J.D. Vance 
filling that gap because everybody, I think JD Vance becomes the candidate that everybody kind of likes, but nobody really supports at the end of the day, unless he can really distinguish himself in the field. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I, like I think name recognition is going to hurt him initially because Mandel's run. He, he's won statewide before he's already run against and lost against Jared Brown. Tempkins got the fact she was the chairwoman during the Trump years. And, you know, you had those big victories under her, well, the, the 2020 victory under her belt. Um, yeah. So well, I, I think that, and then again, who else, you know, Stivers, I know of him, but he's, I don't see that going very Gibbons, far. I, Gibbons, I've heard of him, but nothing there. Again, like I said, I, one candidate I do like, I, I'm a big fan of, of, of secretary of state LaRose. What's his name? Yeah. Frank. Is it Frank? Frank LaRose. Yeah. I'm a big fan. I, I thought there could be an opening for him to run against run for something this time around, but I'm thinking he's maybe too close to DeWine to run against him. And I don't know if he sees an opening on the Senate side, but I do like, I think there's a nice future ahead, ahead of him. I think, I think he'll eventually run against Sherrod Brown. That's probably what he's going to do. Yeah. And and that would be actually, that's probably, well, that would be 2024. Yeah. Be a good candidate. I think. Yeah. I think, I think that's probably what he's trying to do. Well, did you want to have? I know you had Biden on the list. Did you want to save that for the next no, episode? No, you want to throw save it that in? for the next episode. I think that was a good ending to the episode. Yeah, um, yeah. Top it off. It, it was spicy. Fun. I think this was this was good. But yeah, I don't want. To, we'll hold off on Biden. I think it's yeah. a good natural end, Michael. And uh, I'll have a life again starting in like fifteen days. So. We'll have to. One thing we'll have to eventually do, Dane, is maybe find a day of the week, maybe once a month, or and or every three weeks, or something like that, where we like have have a a, a set day and time for a show, and then maybe we could get some people on. My yeah. only issue is like I'd like to get certain people on, but I never know if we're gonna have a show. So we'll have yeah. to figure that out. I know it's tough with our jobs, but we got we got to get Gino on because yeah. Gino, we gotta ask him about Jane Timken. See, here's the thing on Jane. I just, I'm sorry. I know we spent hours. I don't end it. She, I think, will, people in the middle, the moderate Republicans, will all flock to Jane. And she'll get enough of the Trump support because of her being on the ground in 2020 that she gets those two and she wins, right? She gets the yeah. centrist lane and just a little bit of the Trumpy lane. Yeah. And that's a winning poll. Yeah. And she doesn't that's, have to say anything outrageous it. to get the no, Trump wing either. And doesn't. I think that's key, which pretty much gives her a, a very strong chance to win in the general against whoever the Democrats throw out there. I think we completely agree on, on this one. This is a United Dane and Michael front. On, yeah. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. See the, uh, the the uh, Mahoning Valley, and it's I don't know. Maybe maybe we're out of touch, but I I, I think she's got the edge for sure. So, um, but thank you, Ryan. We'll have to eventually get him back on, and again plan that in advance, and maybe get some some candidates. I still like to get Katrona or Loychek or one of those guys on, and and um, I'd like to get um, chairman of the of the Mahoning County Republican Party on as well. I know Trumbull County had a new one. Ken Klein, the mayor of Newton yeah, Falls. Yeah, oh yeah, mayor of Newton Falls. That's why I was thinking of you. And then McCabe, obviously, down in Mahoning. So I'm just curious, like, especially in this year where it's kind of a down year, like, are you – I'm curious to know what goes into the role of chairman during this time of the year. Is it recruiting candidates and what have you or outreach or, or what have you? So I'd like to get one of them on as well at some point. And, again, we'll figure that out post, post April 15th, although we have a May 15th uh, tax day this year. So any final thoughts, Dane? No, I think this was this was great. It was a good return to form, and we got to do this again. 
Yes, yes, and, and and we will do that soon. And I'll try to be a little more active on the social media when right. when I come home from work after eight thirty every night. Um, Our so sponsor. We'll, oh, sorry. Yeah, no. Go ahead. What Our do we got? Sponsors Town and Country, um, Town and Country Magazine. Because when you want people to think you're rich, but you, you're not actually rich, just subscribe to Town and Country Magazine and leave it out. It's a like yuppie publication, or what is this? Yeah, it's a yuppie publication. Town, you've never heard of Town and Country? It's like a, I didn't even know they still made magazines, Dan, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, they do. They're our sponsor for today's episode. Town and Country. All right. Well, everybody go grab an issue next time you're at the, uh, the local uh, grocery store. Get it uh, for a few. How much does a magazine cost, by the way? I don't know. I don't know. Does it say price if on there? To, if you have to ask, it's it's not for you. Well, yeah, you that, know, that it, might be a little too exclusive for me. It's I don't. I, I imagine they don't have many people down in Mahoning County subscribing to <laughs> Town and Country. <laughs> oh, jeez, you've never heard of Town and Country? Okay, no, 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 no not at all. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so thank you everybody for tuning in, and everybody who's going to tune in on the podcast. I'll I'll try to promote this a little bit more uh, throughout the week, especially the fact we had Ryan on. And um, any final thoughts, Dan, before we wrap this up? No, have a good night, Michael. All right. Take care, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.